0: Welcome to my first podcast. This is Sports Standpoint, where I'll be talking about modern sports and updated stories. So yeah, today we'll be talking about England versus Denmark, a recap of that, and predictions for Italy versus England. So yeah, let's get into it. My hero. hero. Okay, 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 let's get into it. So, my thoughts on the game. Well, England definitely controlled the game. But, uh, you know, with with Rice and Mount, Phillips, we definitely controlled the game. But when Denmark got the ball, they were very dangerous. We we didn't have an answer for their midfielders. And if they had Ericsson, I, I definitely believe we could have lost this game. And so, I think what England needs to do better versus Italy next time is take control of the midfield. And Italy's midfield is much stronger than Denmark's. Uh, you know, they they got Chiesa, Verratti, I mean, bunch of midfielders. Uh, I mean, I think that if England were going to try to win the, win the game, it's going to be individual matchups, you know, key matchups in the middle of the field mostly. And I think England did an okay job of that against Denmark. I mean, we won the game on a penalty, which... I'll be talking about and a own goal. So those aren't open goal plays, which determine a game. So I think that England needs to do a lot better control in the middle of the field. So the Sterling penalty. Well, did Sterling go down easily? Absolutely. Right. It was not a penalty, but I won't say it was a dive because it, it wasn't a dive. He, he, he didn't, he wasn't, Denmark wasn't cheated. The referee didn't make a clear and obvious error, in my opinion. And I'm English. So I'm going to say that, you know, I want, I don't care how how England wins. I just want them to go through. But from a neutral standpoint, no, it, it wasn't a dive. And also, no, it was not a penalty. It shouldn't have been given. And I think the Euros would be better off if it wasn't given, better off for the game you know it just those soft penalties kind of ruin the game and it's like a red card you know given in the 80th minute it just now the team's on their back foot and it just changes the whole the whole game and it ruins it so I think Sterling could have stayed on his feet but then again he was sandwiched between Vestegaard and the other defenders so I mean (laughs) I'm just happy that we got the penalty and It was a bad penalty from Kane, but Smichael, to our luck, tapped it right into Kane's path, and he he slotted it home. So, yeah, that that was definitely not a penalty, but, hey, I'll take it. And, well, you can't, I mean, I guess you can't get too upset because England took control of the second half. I mean, completely took control of the second half. You could say after the first 20 minutes, England just dominated the whole game. And Denmark didn't really have a chance where you thought, well, you know, they could they could draw the game. They were on the back foot most of the time, even when they were down. And you just, I mean, the penalty, ugh, did it make too much of a difference? Because if it went to extra time, it, it wouldn't have made, I mean, it did go to extra time, but if it went to penalties, it, England still probably would have won just based off fatigue. So, I mean, yeah, that's my that's my stance on the penalty uh, situation. So, I wouldn't get too discouraged if you're a Danish supporter, uh, you know, if you're Danish, if you're Denmark supporter, like I mean, it's such a young squad and such a good squad that for in 17 months time when the World Cup comes or when the next Euro comes, they have so much to look forward to, right? I mean, Dam's guard who scored the goal It's 21, Goldberg, 23. He didn't have much of an impact, but he's a great goal scorer. Uh, Hojbjerg, who obviously is a great midfielder for Tottenham, he's only 25. And so I think that with some of their great, you know, experienced players, like when Erickson comes back and their other, you know, veterans, I, I think that they could definitely be not a contender, but they could definitely upset some teams in the next World Cup and, you know, turn to come. So, yeah, I, I'm really surprised they came this far without Ericsson. I mean, <laughs> Ericsson really was is their best player and they, he keeps the, you know, the glue of the team together. Well, should, would they have come this far with Ericsson? I don't believe so because they would have been not complacent, but they would have felt a certain type of complacency that they didn't feel when Erickson unfortunately fell with a cardiac arrest. And so I felt that even without Erickson that, or without Erickson, they didn't have that, you know, glue that held them together in the midfield. You could tell that in this England game, they did when they got the ball, they were very dangerous, but they didn't have the ball most of the time. And especially not in midfield areas where Rice and Phillips absolutely dominated the area. So they wouldn't have come this far with Erickson, in my belief. But at the same time, as a catch 22 that, with that you know, without Erickson, they didn't have Erickson to control the midfield, spread passes out wide, even chip in with a couple of goals if it was a free kick or something, you know. I that's just I just think that Ericsson's very important to that team and if they want if they won against England and had to play against Jorginho, Locatelli, Verratti, it, it, i don't think they would have won because the this squad would have the Italy squad would have absolutely dominated the Denmark squad in the middle of the field and like in the England match that's about to happen against Italy, it's gonna come down to singular matchups. You know, Calvin Phillips against Verratti, uh, Declan Rice and Mount against Locatelli and Georginio. Those kind of matchups because we both play th- um three four three three formations, right? The, we have wing. We England usually use wing backs with uh Walker and Luke Shaw, who both of them have been absolutely outstanding this tournament, in my opinion, and so. I just think that if when we play the same formation, that it's going to come down to, you know, who plays the formation better. <laughs> you know, who comes, who who plays, it won't be such a tactical battle, but who really shows up for the final and is there to win it. So I think to win the game, one Sterling has to play well. Basically, England goes as Sterling goes. You know, if if we don't play... If we don't if Sterling doesn't play you know, plays a two out of ten or or th- even a five out of ten, so, say he plays half his best quality, England are gonna get absolutely battered. <laughs> They're gonna get destroyed. So it's it's pretty clear that when Sterling plays well, which he has all the all the tournament, all of the tournament, that when he plays well, we're gonna play well. So I don't think it'll come down too much to Kane or many of the other players, I mean, I'm not saying that they can fall asleep or anything like that, but I feel like they definitely have to, England and Southgate have to revolve their skill sets around Sterling because he's been our talisman this whole tournament. And he's definitely what's made us, got has uh, got us this far to play in our first final since 1966. So, uh I saw this quote that said um England can beat Italy if they harass Chiellini and disrupt the midfield conductor Jorginho and use their pace to run them ragged. And I think that's a great quote from Danny Murphy who, you know, obviously played against Italy uh in his time, was an England midfielder. And I think that's extremely true. I couldn't have worded that better. If we if England uh, harass Cialini and Bonucci in the back, which will be Kane, most likely, unless Gareth Southgate does some stupid change. Um, Kane will have to make runs even if he doesn't want the ball. He'll have to, you know, set a dummy for Sterling or make some sort of, you know, moves to disrupt the back line so that Sterling can get a through ball and in behind or... He just has to play with their minds because they've been really solid and their whole career and really solid this tournament. And I just think that, that if, like Danny Murphy said, if, you know, if Jorginho and the midfield and the back line aren't disrupted, then how are we going to use their pace to get behind them and run them ragged? How are we going to make these diagonal runs in behind if Chiellini's looking over his shoulder? If... Keeling is looking over his shoulder for Sterling all the time instead of Kane. You know, I think those are some of the things that England and Southgate uh, definitely need to and will discuss in their pre-conference against Italy on Sunday. So, yeah, I think to wrap this up that Walker, Saka, Saka's been playing amazing. Um, he's, he's brought this energy to the team that even when he comes subbed out gets subbed out after 60 odd minutes it still brings time for grealish and sancho and rashford and all the pace we have off the entered off the um back for well, what's it called denmark their back line is just going to be absolutely tired and they were so if when if if we sub in all those players and sub out the the wingers like Sterling, if he's having a bad game, or um, maybe Mount. Maybe we sub Mount for Foden. You know, Saka gets off. Italy's not gonna have a chance because they're gonna be tired. If Kane does his disrupting against Chiellini and um, the the back line in general, so if they if they all do their jobs, we definitely we definitely have the have the upper hand. So my pre- my prediction is. Football's coming home, 2-1, Sterling him out, and Chiesa will score the other goal because he's been playing great this tournament, so yeah, thanks for listening, and come on England.